Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Morning, Paige. Good morning, Mom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, so today we have a guest with us from um, Autism Nerd. Um, her name is Dr. Katie Vegabler. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, and so, Dr. Katie, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm excited to chat with y'all. Awesome. So um, why don't you give us like a brief two minutes sort of bio? Yeah, sure. Um, so I live in Golden, Colorado, so west side of Denver. Um, and I've been in this community probably seven or eight years. We lived in Boulder for about a decade before that. Um, I'm actually originally from Chicago and spent some time in Wisconsin before I came out here Um and came out here for graduate school, met my spouse, and we also have two young kiddos. Um, Wesley is five and Bryson is 10. And we just love living in Colorado and the Colorado lifestyle here. Sure. Golden's gorgeous. So it seems like you're moving to nicer and nicer areas, right? Chicago, Wisconsin, right? Across Golden now, that, that's a good place to stop because Golden's gorgeous. Um so yeah, so um, Paige, do you want to take it from here? Uh, he sure. Oh, you don't have your phone. So sorry. Totally my fault. I put her on the spot. I'll ask those questions because her phone died and that's where she has her notes. Um, that's okay. so, um, so tell us like one thing that you can't go a day without doing? Yeah. Um, well, I think like a lot of folks, like my coffee routine is very important to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, just in part with kind of the Colorado lifestyle, we also love being outdoors. The weather has been so beautiful this fall. So just really trying to get out, um, even just for walks and hikes, um, as much as possible. Um, the climate just being as dry as it is. I was reflecting on this question a little bit. And I would say like, I've definitely had ebbs and flows as far as what's the most kind of thing of my moment. Um, more phases, but pretty consistently, um, skincare is a really big deal to me. And it, I mean, it's not that like, you know, I'm going after, you know, really fancy products or anything like that, but taking care of my skin hydration. Um, I do have a history of kind of cystic acne and some like picking and things like that. And so just being able to take care of my skin and like maintain in the dryness, lots of sunscreen, all that kind of stuff. So that is hugely important to me. And, um, you know, having young kiddos in my house, a lot of the things that have been maybe before I had kids fallbacks in my routine or whatnot are just not as always easy to come by. Like I can't just, you know, 
go out for like a two hour hike or a run or something like that, because there's not time for that necessarily. Um, but I have realized that like kind of my, especially nighttime skincare routine can definitely be for me and be the thing that grounds me, um, on the regular. So, so that would be my thing that I can't go without is like very good moisture and sunscreen. <laughs> very smart, especially for where we live. You're right. It is super dry here. Um, what is a habit that you have found that helps your brain the most? Yeah. So, um, I, I've worked on college campuses. I worked at five different colleges over my career. Um, I'm Dr. Katie because my, I have a PhD in education leadership. And so, um, working on college campuses was very all encompassing in my life. And then when COVID happened, um, my youngest kiddo was 15 months old at the time. Right. And so I had to stay home with my kids and it's actually worked out for me to be able to spend more time with my children and refocus kind of my, just how I spend my time, um, my life plans like around my home. And so after COVID, I started my business autism nerd NERD is an acronym for the Neurodiverse Education Resources of Denver. Um, because I'm um, so enmeshed in really like elementary schools, because that's the age of my kiddos, kinder and fifth, um, just knowing kind of what are what's happening in the Jeffco school district in particular, because my kids are in public school, but knowing what the best sort of school options, especially for neurodiverse and like added learning need learners are, um, and being able to support other families in navigating those options or considering what's going to be right fit for them. Um, so, I mean, in context of my business, I do spend a lot of time on my computer. <laughs> I'm on email quite a bit. Um, I joined two professional associations this year. So I am a member of the Independent Education Consultant Association, which is an international group, and then Colorado College Consultants, which is a regional-based group. And um, I mean, while it's just been so like eye-opening, the networking has been really good. I'm learning a ton all the time. I did a conference this summer. There were like 200 participants in a virtual conference, which it was actually really fun. Lots of learning. Um, but I would say habits for my brain to bring it back to the question is that like just sitting in my, in front of my computer, which is like so different for me than when I was in my on college campus career, which was a lot more in person. And I still have fallback to like more of like in person is going to take my attention first. <laughs> um, and being able to have like um, ambient, like background noise a little bit, like, you know, just more like very calming, gentle, like electronic sort of consistent music. Um, I have found really just helps me sit longer and even like kind of process what I'm reading, maybe even a little bit faster. Um, so as far as like what helps my brain, definitely like planning my day around, okay, well, I've got like this hour meeting, I have to sit, let me do the things that I need to write leading up to that. 
and then make sure that I take a break like thereafter and like just having that music or that noise and being in my home is also, I mean, it, it's a, it's a mixed blessing, right? I'm work from home so I can be flexible for what my family needs. Um, but there's like always house projects or always things that need to be done. Right. So if I have to run over and do the laundry or I have to like, whatever, like this morning, I'm looking at a pile of dishes right now, very normal (laughs) in my world. Um, but I try to at least like take a couple hour chunks and plan my day and plan meetings around when I can also do those brain breaks so that during meetings I can be more like present and focused too. Awesome. So I'm hearing like brain breaks and music. There's a bunch of things you have found that work for your brain. So cool. Um, Tell us what you're excited about today. Yeah. I mean, the weather has been so beautiful that I do want to try to at least get a walk in outside when I can, um, which doesn't always happen, but I think today (laughs) I can do that. And also Wednesday is the day um, that I do early pickup for my five-year-old. And so today our activity is going to be decorating cookies this afternoon. So I'm very excited to have a cookie decorating date with my five-year-old <laughs> this afternoon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. My my older kiddo is like not so into, I don't know, like the decorating or like around holidays as much. And even with um, my husband, we just don't necessarily want like piles of decorations for holidays, right? Like, or like we're usually traveling, seeing family for Christmas, that sort of thing. But my Wesley has been so excited about decorating for Halloween this year. And it's actually been a lot more fun than I ever expected. (laughs) Nice. So we've, yeah, like we were kind of partnering up to like, we, um, carved a pumpkin this weekend and, you know, all those sorts of things. So we're kind of incrementally adding decorations and just doing things that make it feel very like fall festive right now. Nice. I do remember. I do remember those days. My kiddos are all big and don't decorate cookies with me anymore, but everybody is still happy to eat them. So, um, so it still happens. So, um, you mentioned in one of those questions, what your, uh, what your PhD is in that education leadership. So, um, can you tell us just a little bit about like what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Officially, my degree is from the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. Um, it's under like the title of it, or it's the it's the College of Education and Leadership Studies, and it's higher education and student affairs leadership. And so a lot of folks that I graduated with went on to be like a dean of students, um, or there's folks that are right in all different kind of areas of um, working, mostly in leadership administrative type positions on college campuses. Um, I spent eight years in academic advising after I did that work, uh, or after I did my PhD at Northern, I did academic advising, which is effectively curriculum planning, picking classes, helping people meet degree requirements. Um, And of course, with that, 
college students are going to have life circumstances that come up all the time. They're going to need to like drop a class or they find that like, it's not a learning fit or like, there's just so many reasons. And so, um, I kind of unexpectedly came into the academic advising world. I did a lot in like student activities, advise student government, a lot of stuff with budgets is really like not the fun part of it. Um, but academic advising and counting credits and helping people meet degree requirements. And sometimes that's like, is this major really right for me? Or um, what sort of career might I be able to consider with this major, right? Like I'll go into that. And I just found that I sort of had a talent for that, um, especially the empathy when a certain like major or class or even like degree path or like, you know, they had to leave school for whatever reason. I just, I was, could be very compassionate in those conversations. And so, um, I actually really loved that job and kind of morphed with the department was growing. And so sort of worked my way up over that time. Um, but then my oldest son, um, he was five. I had just had Wesley my boys are five years apart um, we had moved down to golden because we bought a house there. We weren't going to be buying a house in Boulder. Um, my husband's job had changed and my older son had transferred schools a couple of times because we needed to find a better fit environment for him. And so for my older kiddo, we were actually in seven different schools by his seventh birthday. Mm-hmm. And I see the look on your face and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So then, so um, I have this background working on college campuses, but then I'm almost like, whether it's fast forward or back, it's like trying to figure out preschool and kindergarten placement and introduce to this whole world of like neurotesting and right, the whole gamut that way. And, um, and then I had a new baby in tow. And so, um, I left working at CU Boulder one, because I was offered a job at Colorado school of mines, which is about five minutes from my house, which I thought was great. Um, my older son, we got him into the public school system here because we had bought our house. We just had more resources with the public school. Like that's a little, I don't know, um, right. Like how that goes around, but Um, it worked out for us that way. And soon after my son was placed in an autism center-based program. And so the fact that I could kind of shepherd him with that, we were eligible for more therapeutic services. I thought that working closer to home, cutting down on the commute would make managing family life easier, but it really wasn't. It was a new job. I had to learn a whole new environment and system, and it was a very different type of job. And I found it was just really not a right fit for me in that way. And so when COVID happened, it just made sense for me to step back from the full-time workforce um, that way. So um, so your question about my PhD in education leadership, it's really about my and my research, like what I did my dissertation on is effectiveness and efficiency in organizational systems. So for example, like how professional development for staff can increase their buy-in and effectiveness in working with students too. Um, So I haven't really done as much like with that research, but it, it very much informs what I do today because 
I have systemic insight that I can then offer my current clients in some expectation management and consideration of right environmental fit when they're planning what their post-secondary education options could be that way. Awesome. So let's jump into that. Tell us how was Autism Nerd like born? Yeah. And sort of what do you do on a daily basis? So it's sort of two questions. So yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, I am actually really proud of my like creative light bulb of come up with the nerd network (laughs) and just the acronym that is nerd. So, I mean, because my older son was in so many different types of preschool programs. It just gave me insight. And I also realized that I had this particular eye to be able to evaluate different types of programs that are out there. And as he's grown and like advanced in his own grade levels, um, you know, it motivates me to go into like even private or charter middle schools. What are the high school options? Like, so really it's um, as a consultant, I get an admissions tour and often like a very particular type of admissions tour in an insight into these places because a lot of schools and especially the private schools are realizing that I serve as a connection between a family and they want a right fit. Right. So I'm not like ever beholden to any particular school in saying like, all more people should go to X school or whatever. Right. But it it gives me a reason to go out into the community and make connections. And my eye has an ability, I think, to evaluate um, kind of what makes a program really special, but what might particular challenges be. And then just given particular family needs and dynamics. Um, And I have created for families, like what I call like my seven pillars of fit. Right. And so I kind of go through um, these seven areas of what can make a good fit for a particular student, but also the family. And um, especially given how much time I had spent in colleges and that I worked at five different types of colleges, my eye is always on if this student can be not only college capable, but college ready, right? Like what is not only going to get them in the admissions door, but how are we going to support this student throughout to help them reach graduation and ideally, Mm -hmm. right? Like a sustainable, independent living career moving forward. Um, So I'm pretty early to be quite honest. I mean, like I said, I just joined IECA and CCC this year, but it has opened a whole world of like the education consulting industry is really growing right now. I think there's a lot of high school college guidance counselors that are leaving working traditional school settings for independent work for better or worse, right? Like those might be guidance counselors that they worked at a public high school that students could access, but the average in, in the state of Colorado, um, the average student to guidance counselor ratio is like 500 to one right now. And it's, it's not just college counseling that these guidance counselors are doing, right? Like there's such mental health need, but to be able to have the specialty of, um, kind of what college resources are going to be, what, what's going to make a college right fit for a student. 
But then additionally, when we're talking about neurodivergent learners or diverse learners, there are so many additional factors. Um, and frankly, like the statistics are not necessarily in favor of neurodivergent individuals in going to college, right? So like being able to have added support services, and maybe that's not just what the college offers, but what can we find in the community and how can we do a wraparound support for that student? Um, so I'm finding that there are college consultants or education consultants out there that have what might be referred to as LDND, right? Learning um, disabilities or neurodiverse specialty. But to, for me to be in Colorado and make Colorado my specialty, um, and I really want to support Colorado families with Colorado resources as much as possible. Um, but also like I'm trying to be aware of what's outside of Colorado. So when a, a client or a student might come to me and say like, we need X, Y, or Z, or we want X, Y, and Z. I know the difference between like needs and wants and how I can point out like what the options are that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answered. I think I, I got away sure. from your questions. That's there. okay. So um, it's just, I have a friend who um, her youngest son um, is on the spectrum and he just started school at George Mason University in Virginia specifically because they actually have a program for people who are neurodiverse, right? To like really support them and get them through, but it took them a while, right? Like she really, they're also a military family. So every time they landed somewhere, she'd like fight with the school again, <laughs> right? Or for a while, she, um, in Hawaii where the public schools just aren't great. Um, they went to private school, but private school still had to, or the public school still had to give the like extra resources, right? And so that was always a fight every year, right? And so, and I know I've done a lot of my own fighting for my own kids as well. So, um, so what is, um, actually, I'm not going to go back to my original question. I'm going to switch the question because now I'm curious about something else. What is the experience like for a family that contacts you? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's kind of two camps of parents that I would see. And a lot of the affect on the student um, is I really see is dependent on kind of how a family or parent guardian like view the reality of the needs of the student. Um, and, and I'll also offer the caveat. I, whenever I'm working with even like a prospective client or like my language is student because I'm trying to foster a like thinking of independence between, so I'm not like your kiddo, but we're talking about a 17 year old, right? Like, so, so that's why I'm, I'm always like using the language, like your student. Um, but I, you know, as LDND needs, autism needs are such a spectrum and such a wide array, um, I realize that the type of prospective clients that find me or like I'm getting a lot of referrals, like everything is word of mouth in my business growth right now. And I'm very intentional that I'm growing very slow. Like I'm not, 
you know, I, I have worked on various boards and, and with the Autism Society and some other things like that, which is valuable to me for making like community connections right now, but I'm not trying to take on like a lot of clients, like very, very few, but I have prospective calls just through the referral or other consultants that are like, but I just don't understand what the need of this student is. Like they have dyslexia, but what does that mean? Right? Like they have an IEP. I don't know how to read it. Like I get a lot of those sorts of questions right now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, as far as like, like who is coming to me, it really, there's either families that are pretty enmeshed in always having supported and that can either go positive or I've always had to fight, right? Like usually it's on the fight side. So there's a little bit of like with the parent of like, I'm always going to have to fight. And so there's, from on my end, it's coaching and being like, how can I help you back off and release to me the fight part, if that's what you think it's supposed to be, or like, right. Like I just, I come to the table very intentionally as Dr. Katie, because when I'm communicating with schools or I'm communicating on behalf of a student, or I need to like help a student get registered with an access services office, there's a little bit of like, wait with Dr. Katie's my advocate, right? Sort of thing. Um, Yeah. But then there's also the families where the student is really not either college capable or college ready. Right. And like, we have to think about what the incremental plan post secondary is going to be. And it's not going to be to straight go out to like I mean, yes, there's college programs that have very high scaffold needs, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, or incremental needs. There's like all kinds of different levels of support services. But just because you want this 18 year old out of your house doesn't mean that X school is going to be like the best fit for that. Right. Like, so um, for me, when I talk about like, well, my, my, first, and usually I say five hours that can flex depending on, again, like how real a family is about their situation. It's really for me to be able to assess based on what I call my seven pillars or seven dynamics of how college ready is this student too. And, um, you know, if it seems like it's going to be a fight for me to work with a family just to get the information that I need, (laughs) then that's a whole different right? Like gamut of how we're going to be able to go about it. But if the family is very like, you know, their evaluations are very up to date, but they just don't know how to make sense of the landscape, right? Like that is almost easy for me to do at that part. Sure. Because like, I know that there are resources out there and it's just like for me to understand kind of like, okay, great. What's your need? You're very real about it let's get you plugged into, I can give you X, Y, and Z over here. Right. Um, and help you weigh the difference between like your priorities and, and what that experience is going to be like the expectation management part of it. So, um, many ed consultants will do what they call like a comprehensive package, which is like, okay, well, you're going to write your essay. You're going to do some like right. test prep, like, right. Like there's mm-hmm. all these pieces, like, are you hitting the deadlines? But, um, I have not invested in some of the software packages that can be available to support that because I just don't find that as um, 
necessary for my type of client because we're not like looking at all the college options, right? Like, I mean, for me, it's more so about, hey, like, let's look at these seven dynamics. So academic acumen, I want to review the transcripts. Um, I want to know what the documents are. Like, is there an IEP or 504? Is neuropsych within three to five years? Um, and then we're looking at like a student's ability to self-advocate or speak up for themselves, like just to like, and never right or wrong, just to what degree, right? Like, right. And, and so like self-awareness is an aspect of it. Like, um, so self-advocacy or like kind of, do they know themselves? Do they know that this is an aspect or mm-hmm. have they, what their learning needs are an aspect, um, of where they might be going next in their life. Um, additionally, motivation and confidence, like, are they excited about the possibility of college or the possibility of a certain career? Um, and then documentation. So that's the neuropsych piece. Are we up to date right. getting registered with a disability services or access services office? Um, for me, this is like part and parcel. So I will make connections with local evaluation groups um, in order to make sure all the documentation is up to date. And we'll have in-depth conversation on like, why getting your intake, getting your letter, right? Like, how are you going to take that to your professor so that you like what accommodations are reasonable? Why are you getting accommodations and not modifications, right? Like all of those sorts of pieces. And then um, financial fit, of course. And that's almost like at the top of the list, because if there's not like a financial planning piece, um, I'm not going to put like the big fancy options out there to a family. So um, I think what's ideal is a family that is okay with this process of like, let's consider a gap year and let's do some community college and let, right. So like we're progressively sort of making a five-year plan. Um, But like I said, like I had a prospective client last week and it's not going to be a right fit for me to work with, but she was just like, how soon can you get this person out of my house? And I was like, it's not how I work. Right. Like I can't do that. (laughs) It's not my job. Yeah, no, totally. What about kids who like, whose um, idea about what they want is different than their parents, right? So like the parents are all go to college, go to college. And the kids like, go to tech school, go to tech school (laughs) or go to like, you know, I don't know, have a client um, whose family really wants them to like go to college and get a degree. And they're like, "Mm, I want to become a vet tech. Cause that seems reasonable to me. Right. And I love animals, right. Who doesn't want to go to work and pet dogs all day. Um, right. So like, what do you do with those families? So this is part of why I always want to start with my seven pillar assessment, because I want to be able to determine that. And if the student comes to the table and they're just like, I'm really excited about vet tech school. I'm like, that is going to make your criteria in the motivation, confidence and your self-efficacy, like your self-awareness, like that score is going to be super high, right. In my evaluation. And if the, you know, a parent or, um, I often call them benefactors come to the table and they're like nothing less than med school. You're getting an MD. I just have, I will paint out the reality of the circumstance and be like, but they're excited about this. And so try to support a family in that unpacking of like, why is it MD or bust in your world? Right. And so a a good part of it is 
parent coaching, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. and I, I always present myself as the student is my client, right? Like I am here to be the advocate for the student first. And if the need is to go with them on an admissions tour, if the need is to go with them to do the intake for disability services, like that is my first priority. But I understand that the parent caregiver um, benefactor is the customer in that way. But if I have to Mm -hmm. like spell that out, I will start with, let's look at all the things that are so exciting about this evaluation that's now completed, right? Like their self-efficacy is high, their motivations are high, this program is available, here are the costs and numbers, like here's where you said like cost and numbers falls in your priority, right? Um, And so I've never had a circumstance that's so like disparate where it's, it's what you're talking about, where that evaluation is, but that's exactly how I would approach that situation. Mm -hmm. I have had had that situation. No, I believe it. I've had to sit down the parents and be like, look, let's just, yeah, your kid has ADHD. 15% of kids with ADHD get through college and they don't want to do it. Right. Like everybody knows somebody with ADHD isn't going to do what they don't want to do. I mean, I think when I talk to other consultants or what I see more so is the parents are like MD or bust, but the student is not motivated. Like high school grades potentially have been so overinflated that like, they're not even going to be getting in to a lot of the schools, let alone like an MD or bust. Right. And so then it's a conversation with the family of like, you have a plan A, but we really need plan B, C, and D because how much are you willing to put this student through? Because that is an emotional rigmarole with someone that may just like not even have the intellectual capability of, right? Like your flagship four-year school in the first place for that matter. So totally. So are you primarily working with, like, is that what most of your clients are, are people who are going to college and not people who are like looking for like the right high school or the right middle school? Yeah. I mean, I've spent so much time working on college campuses that I just know that really well. And when I first started Autism Nerd, it was intentionally to be the like, educational trajectory gamut because I have these young children and I've needed to navigate those spaces for them. Um, but it was about like maybe two years ago when the reality of myself just came up of like, I can't deny my background and I can't deny how much I know in that regard. So, um, you know, I, I know a lot about like other consultants will come to me with like, you know, here are the neuropsych or here are the tests that they did, or here's what the IEP looks like. And, um, you know, so I, I definitely have a foot in that sort of placement and knowing like, what, um, what are the middle schools? Like, what are the high schools? Like, why is X high school different from Y high school? Like, right. And so, um, but I've just spent so much time in the college world that I do believe that that's where, and that support of the transition, the post-secondary transition support is really where my specialty lies. This is about the time of year where people have taken their midterms, where my business takes up. 
Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> right. Oh, we're, you know, failing to classes or I thought it was fine, but I wasn't right. Um, so I'm sure, um, I'm sure that probably affects you in some way as well. Um, what else should we know about autism nerd? That I, we're not- say, I love knowing that about you too, Sheila, because I think that, um, so this time of year in my world is like the free application days for all mm-hmm. Colorado colleges was just yep. last week. And <laughs> so um, there was a lot of just like rush to get all those sorts of pieces in. So after November 1st, that tends to calm down a little bit. But um, ideally, there's juniors or high school juniors that are starting to think ahead about placement in that way. Um knowing what I, and I'm, I'm touring colleges, right. Or I'm like trying to do virtual meetups with admissions consultants that way. Um, but when I'm evaluating a school, it's not just like for what you do have, but it's also what you don't have or how might a community resource, Sheila, like yourself be a better fit for a student that is attending, I don't know, front range or whatever. Right. And so, Um, I always like knowing what those community resources are out there because it's not just like for me to be able to present to a college bound family, like, oh, DU has the LEAP program. Great. Like, I actually think that while they're great for what they do, they're good for like a pretty narrow window of types of students and more students are actually going to get more out of since that is a fee for service, finding an outside college support resource that way for what the same price. Yeah, no, totally. I, um, it's interesting. You always use the term student to interject that because when I speak to parents, I always use their kid's name because I do whole person coaching. So maybe they're having a problem in this class, but maybe the problem in that class isn't the content of that class. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that they're distracted by somebody else in the class, or maybe they don't have a good fit with that teacher, or maybe, you know, maybe it's just like something else that's going on. Maybe something happens before they go into that class on a routine basis. And that's the actual, right? So, um, so I'm always trying to see, I'm always trying to get parents to see their kid as a whole person who like, isn't just a student doesn't just like go to class and study and right but also like has little crushes on people or is dating or um you know has sports or other hobbies or you know other things that make their life happy and fulfilling right um so it's an interesting difference um you know, and you I just kind of like always know the name and appropriate pronoun and when it's an oh, individual, of course. <laughs> when it's broader and I'm just like, you're a student. And that, that just has been a long time, um, default, I suppose that I yeah, no, totally. Um, and it makes sense for what you do. Right. Um, you mentioned that like maybe juniors are starting to think about it or plan ahead. So like how far out Yeah. would the ideal person come to you? Yeah, no. Right, like, is, what would be your dream of like, it'd be great if you came here, but everybody actually comes here, right? Of course. Um, I mean, it's it's typically down to the wire. <laughs> I mean, I've, right. I have done perspective calls like last week with somebody that had a senior and was just like, oh, we missed the days, the free app days, oops, um, sort of thing. Yeah. And they were the ones that wanted their 
student to like be out of the house by like May. Right. And so it's, that was not an ideal situation. And, um, I mean, if it's, if I really have the opportunity to like kind of walk the walk and the trajectory with a family, which is kind of my ideal goal, um, I mean, ninth grade, right. It like after the transition to high school is ideal. So somebody like knows their new high school environment. We don't want to like start the conversation in October of freshman year of high school with the student necessarily, because like, they're still getting adjusted to like, what is this high school thing that you speak of? Um, And if I can start the conversation with the family about getting their documentation in order, like what are your priorities in financial considerations for this process? Has your student ever participated in their own IEP or 504 meeting before? Um, Right? Like, yeah. So yes, (laughs) those are the kinds of conversations that I would start having with like families of a ninth grader. Um, And then very incrementally, right? Like, so ideally I could be on very, this like low and slow conversation process, like, you know, a call once a month, you check into this, Google these three things, let's reconvene, you know, in four to six weeks. Um, or yeah, if like, if they wanted me to participate in an IEP meeting just to sit in, or like if they wanted someone to help coach their student on getting participating in that Mm -hmm. process, right? I do a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are all sort of the ideals. And then once we get into like 10th and 11th grade, it's like, you know, let's just do a college tour in a very standard sort of way, possibly at a school, like you're not even really considering, right? Like, let's just look at a college campus and then processing, how did that feel? Was it too big? Was it too small? Are you, you know, like where are maybe some pain points out of this? Okay. Well, like maybe trying that a couple of times, right? Like, well, let's look at what a CU Boulder is going to have a very different feel if you're on campus compared to like, front range or right. Like university of Northern Colorado or like, yeah. Know. Right. No, totally. Um, and there's class all- sizes, I think really matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And will change over your major, right? Like I think my son in his first like chem class, it was like 200 people, you know, chem 101, 200 people. He's mm-hmm. taking a class now. He's taking a quantum physics class. Now there's nine people in it. Right. Like you're not late to that class because there's nine people in that class. Right. And you have to get special permission to take the class at all. Right. So, but I think like, you know, just Paige was very much like, I do not like, she wouldn't even look at CU because it was too big. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. And so, um, for a lot of students, it's like, you know, something's too small or too big or, like, I, I always say, like, you need to go to the campus and see if you can envision yourself living there, like being like on that campus. Although I do think that Front Range is a great place for people who are unsure about college to start because it's, you know, fairly inexpensive. It's a cheaper way to figure out if college is OK for like something you want to do. Right. Yes. And I worked with many transfer pathways. Mm-hmm. 
students, just as far as like the affordability factors of that. Um, I was in Southern Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago because I was touring. I toured three different places when I was there and just being able to present the options of like, well, a small liberal arts college can have a very flexible gen ed curriculum. And like, these could be your math options, right? Like I recognize that like math feels very hard and stressful to you, but what about like, like a class titled how to lie with statistics and you're not even really doing statistics, right? Like, could that feel better for you compared to, right? Like stats one, that is going to be a non-negotiable option, even maybe with an associate's degree, right? Sort of thing. um, So part of it in that low and slow process and starting earlier is just to like help weigh the variety of options that are out there and build that trust and rapport um, over time and like help the individual know it's always like it's their choice, but it's with their best interest in mind. And the benefit of like, even if plan A doesn't work out, if you have a plan B or you have a plan C, then you are at least continuing to make progress. Like we never want someone to feel such emotional overload or like they can't go back somewhere. What else do I do next? Or right. And so it's like, it's just always about feeling supported by a plan and that next steps can continue. And there's so many different types of steps out there, but if we have weighed the options and we can weigh like the traverse of it or the switchbacks, that there's a lot of different ways to get to where someone might like want to be or an envision for themselves. I'm always telling my clients not to get attached to a path. There are a million ways to any goal, right? And you just got to find the right path for you, for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier about like not have invested in, in the some of the software that other uh other counselor consultants use. And so I've in some of the research I've done, um, it really says that like people with autism specifically um, really don't like or do well on personality tests. And then they're really trying to um, like, there's a big push in like for businesses, for HR departments to stop giving them you don't know who has autism because not everybody discloses it. Um, right. And so I don't give any to my clients. Um, I do a via survey for strengths, but only with my clients that I know don't have autism. Right. Um, I don't, right. Because the, the results usually come out skewed or aren't accurate. Um, anyway, um, and, and I usually have to tell even my clients with, um, ADHD or other things to like not do it Friday nights, like after a long week, right? Like do it when you're in a good space. Right. Um, so, um, I don't know, have you heard that or do you, is that why you sort of don't use that software or? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Um, so one is that there are a variety of types of like college planning or ed mm-hmm. consultant, like geared. Um, so there's one example, it's called College Planner Pro. Tons of folks use it. It basically is like an auto-populate of different types of like college facts. And it organizes, 
Yeah, but it's very like pretty sterile and generic <laughs> that way, in fact, right? And it, it effectively organizes um, like what your choices or they call it like college list might be. And so there's different ways to search, like you want a big school that has like, fancy football teams. Okay. Well, you can get this list of like 50, right? Like whatever, like that sort of thing. That is not the population that I'm going to be working with. That's going to no. need something like that. Um, for one, for two, um, I think where I'm at in my business, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel necessary, but it just doesn't feel right either. And it's a software like that, or like there's another one. Um, I think it's called like access, I think like the short term of it is like access, right? And it's a plugin that an ed consultant can purchase that goes with the college app process. So if a student is applying through college app, then this is like an ed consultant, like organizing tool to support the student for like filling out the common app process. I don't even foresee that like my type of client is going out in the world in a way that they're necessarily going to be doing the college app, right? Like they could potentially, but especially if we're looking at more like the progressive or community college or gap options first, or then it's, it's just inherently more analog that way. And that's okay. Right. And so I, I think I'm pretty different in the ed consultant world in saying, but I see this demographic as not fitting into the standard, like ed consultant business box. <laughs> they don't fit in any box, right? No, nor do we really. I mean, like I'm constantly telling my clients, like my job isn't to make you fit in the box. Yeah. We want nothing to do with the box. <laughs> right. And to your point that like there's more HR systems that are becoming um, cued in that neurodivergent demographics are just going to have more factors. So I I haven't necessarily heard like the piece about personality tests, although I'm not surprised about that. What I have heard, um, and there was a New York Times article that there's more like HR offices or bigger companies that are recognizing um, particularly like in a job description, if it's going to say like bachelor's degree required, master's degree required, or there's particular demographics, neurodivergent included, and that could also be like race, class, et cetera, that are going to have great like inherent stacks against them to have those particular characteristics. So if you have like, you know, an AI or a software that's just doing a read for these particular like criterias, well, you're missing whole demographics, neurodivergent demographics, namely by having an auto reader on like whether or not you're fitting, right? Like right. No, totally. those requirements. So there is more of a like recognition and need for like, well, maybe we need a real person that's like reading an actual right. resume. <laughs> for sure. For sure. People are good. Um, yeah, no, I um I have a colleague who's um also a a neurodiverse coach, but she does specifically um, work. She only coaches around work. So like prepping people to go to work, how to write their resume, how to interview, how to do all those pieces, how to actually read a job description and determine whether or not it's a job for you, right? Um, But the other half of her business is that she goes to HR companies or, or go to HR departments and companies and really teaches them about like, 
there's actually not just this tiny little narrow lane of what is professional, but if you widen that lane of what is professional, you will have more employee like retainership, right? And so you won't be turning over, right? Because these kind of jobs are going to attract people who are neurodiverse, right? And they will give you, like there's a statistic that like a neurodiverse employee actually pr produces like 400% more work, quality work, right? It's something like that, right? Something crazy, right? Um, and so these are people you want to retain in your business. And it doesn't really matter if they show up at 8 a.m. or 10, as long as they work for eight hours, right? Or as long as they do, whatever. But let's say if they're producing 400% more work, they could work half the time and still <laughs> be a full-time employee, right? Because they're producing more because they're more focused when they're at work. Um, but so she's really like, that's her big, that's the biggest part of her job. Her business is that she goes to HR departments to educate them about why, how they should be hiring people who are neurodiverse and then how to retain them once they have them as employees. Right. So that's so important. Yeah. That's so great. yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. Um, for sure. Um, we've interviewed her too. So, um, so if you've missed that episode, it's the one with Jessica Michaels. Um, so, um, I don't know what else, is there anything else we didn't touch on that you want to add here at the end? I think we were pretty thorough, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, I mean, just to put out there that it's estimated 23% or something of high school grads are using an ed consultant. Um, a lot of folks clearly are going it alone or like relying on a high school counselor or something along those lines. And the, what really brings me to this work is how many students I have worked with on college campuses over the course of my career that have just found themselves not in the right space, right? Or like like what is intended to be a four-year degree plan turns into like a 10-year degree plan. And the cost, both time, money, emotionally that goes into that is like just how I've seen it as a professional when I've worked on a college campus and I'm, I'm just like this, these are the parameters and this is just what it is, right? Like how hard that is for someone that the benefit of working with an ed consultant and particularly for a neurodivergent identifying student to work with a neurodivergent informed education coach is there's just a greater likelihood of match and fit and empathy and support and you know, I have definitely had prospective client calls where they're like, well, why would I pay for a consultant when I'm getting, trying to just wrap my brain around how I'm going to pay for college? And it's like, well, do you want to try to do this in a two-year plan, a four-year plan, or like potentially a 10-year plan? And what are the costs in that emotional weight, like in the long term, right? And so, um, you know, just like for families to not be scared in seeking specialty help when it is available um, and maybe that's in an EF coach, maybe that's in a, right. Like all kinds of ranges, mm -hmm. but it's definitely, um, like a growing industry and a lot of families that are maybe like, but we have a high school guidance counselor. Well, like just imagine the workload that's stacked against them. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. like, why wouldn't you use specialty help or like, what would be the value of spending a thousand dollars here? If you could save yourself 20,000, right. Like down the line sort of thing. So, um, I mean, I think as a final point that it's just, 
I see a lot of value in working with a consultant or coach or private industry specialist when that specialty need is there. Um, and so folks can reach out to me if you want to, even if it's just like navigating community support resources, like I'll do an intro call with anybody, <laughs> right? Because like, I'm an empathetic parent. I'm like, I aim to be a community advocate first. Um, and I just happen to like have the eye and the education training that I do. And I, I want to see students succeed and, you know, meet their goals and go out in the world and have, you know, right. Like an independent living and career that they're excited about, you know, and I don't want costs to like be an inhibitor for that, but like, we just, it's painting the picture of the reality of like a little bit of investment on the front end can save a lot of like heartache, time, money in the long run. So, um, my website, autismnerd.com, exactly how it's spelled, how it sounds. Um, Neurodiverse Education Resources of Denver. Um, also, my email address, autismnerd at gmail.com. I can be reached there. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to talk to anybody. So thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Kitty, thank you for spending time with us. I will also um, include those things in the description for the this episode. So if somebody rather just click a link and then write it down, then they've got it either way. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Have a great day. Really appreciate it. Sheila Page. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at the ndtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.